I confronted this teenager. I said that you are lying. That's not right. You're lying to save yourself from uh, having to disclose certain things. He said, no, I'm not lying. What you said there is the past. What you said about the Bible that belongs to the past. But today, things are different. You are still living in the past. Today, things, the culture is different. The situation, this is only a white lie. It doesn't matter. Things have changed. So if you think a bit deeper, what is he saying? He is saying that the moral truth that we have today, it is not absolute across the time. Things change. The moral truth can change. And I get to change it according to the situations. Look a bit deeper. It's a desire to take the place of God. And we see that regularly. Things have changed. In the past, the Bible says it's okay to... It's not okay to do this, but today times have changed. Culture has changed. It's okay. It has evolved. Culture has evolved. And you are archaic. You are behind time. You're not evolving. There's a desire to take the place of God. So that's secondly, pride. Thirdly, pride calls attention to itself. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not with your own lips. Pride always wants to praise about himself. I, I heard these illustrations here. See, this morning when I come to church, I don't tell myself, hey, my calf is working well, my foot is working well, my neck is working well. I, I don't take notice of that. It is just very natural. When things are working well in the body, we don't call attention to itself. Only... When I sprain my ankle, when there's a muscle cramp, then, oh, oh, I got a calf muscle. Oh, it's very tight here. Then it calls itself, when, when it's problematic, then it calls attention to itself. We only notice it when it's not working well. But our, our pride, our ego, always call attention to itself. Always want to be good. Always want to, to show that I'm good. I'm not bad. I'm not lazy. It's all about I, me, and myself. Why? Because there's something wrong with our ego. That is why the ego regularly needs to call attention to itself. There's something wrong with our identity. And the ego always says that I'm right, you are wrong. When you step over a person's authority, Yes, it is strong, but the ego will get very, very hurt. When you highlight a person's shortcoming, the ego is hurt, you get very defensive. And these are symptoms that the ego is not okay, and the ego, therefore, it is regularly calling attention to itself. Someone said this, it's like the ego is always in the courtroom trying to prove that I'm okay, either before God or other people or self. And the ego, because of its problem, it always call attention to its, itself. So these are three different diagnoses. I left. Perhaps there are more, but these are three highlighted from the book of Proverbs that for us to think, do I really have a problem with pride? If I have a problem with pride, I'm telling you some bad news. The bad news is, is very, very destructive. Very destructive. I heard another story, perhaps I've told it before. There was once two ducks and one um, frog. They are good friends. They play in the pond together and having good time. 
And then summer came, the pond shrank, shrank to lesser and lesser water. And then the, the, the two ducks have to fly to another place. And guess what? The frog cannot fly. So they begin to think, what can I do? Okay, I got, okay I'm going to do it. Then the, the frog decided, why don't you take a stick? Two of you, a uh, duck will bite on each side. And then you fly. And I also use my mouth. I bite on the middle of the stick. Then we can fly. And then they try out. It works. It works well. And then they fly. And then you pass by a, 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 a farm. And the farmer make a claim. I say, wow, what a clever idea. I wonder who thought about it. And then the, 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 the frog said, I did. Ah. Thank you for laughing. At least you get a joke. Pride goes before a fall. <laughs> I still have it to tell jokes, okay. Pride derides people. Divides people, not derides. Divides people. Listen to what Proverbs says. Pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. An arrogant person stirs out strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. There's never been a war or a divorce or an argument or a church split where pride is not the root factor. Lots of truth in that. Someone said this. When I get an argument with my friend, with my wife, with my uh, colleagues, usually what's the cause? Pride. And what's the smallest thing that blows into the biggest argument? Pride. Why? Pride divides people. Pride divides divide people. Pride always have this need. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. Therefore, I need to prove that. Man. And pride have this need to prove that he's like God. I determine what is right. And pride have this ego problem always calling attention to itself. And therefore, it divides. And it's not pleasant to be, to be people who are very proud. So often, we are not interested in solving the problem. Rather, we want to prove that we are right. And this morning, I was thinking, hmm, do I enjoy, if there's another me, another Chi Meng with me, do I enjoy being with him, his company? What happened that there are three Chi Mengs around? Do I enjoy? Or will I feel that this guy is oh, so proud, just like me? Or maybe that I don't have the judge second part because I'm blinded. Do I enjoy? Pride divides people. And worse to you, pride defies God. Listen to what God's attitude towards people who are proud in Proverbs. Haughty eyes and a proud heart. The lamb of the wicked are sin. God called it sin. Haughty eye means to be high and exalted, a state of a higher plane. And then God say He mocks the proud mockers, but give grace to the humble. Pride has a history that precedes beyond precedes Adam and Eve. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said about pride again in mere Christianity. He said, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that, they are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is a complete anti-God state of mind. You know, pride first came as the very first sin in heaven, in the heavenly place, in the, 
In the book of Isaiah, it talks about a morning star. In some translation, translate as Lucifer, where he turned against God. This is what he said there. He said, I will ascend to the heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. He wanted to be God. He led a whole great host of angelic beings of rebellions against God, and you are swiftly judged. And guess what? It was pride that ruined the human race. At the Garden of Eden at the beginning, when Satan came to tempt Eve to eat of that particular forbidden fruit. And the real temptation is this. If you eat this, you will become like God. And that's pride. Pride was the first sin, and most sin can be traced to pride. And God, being the Creator, being the Sovereign Lord, He cannot tolerate such thing because He is the Lord. Imagine you are a father or you are a mother and then your three-year-old come to me and say, don't even call your name, just, uh, don't even call you dad or mom, just call your name and take your car key and say, I'm going to drive. I don't care what you say. I decide what is right and wrong. I do all these things. Defies your authority. You will fill up. You will, and then call you various names. All the vulgarity come out. You will all get worked up. Why? Because it is defying you. And that's what, how God feels about people who are, who are proud. So, pride divides people, defines God. You and I, we have this big problem with pride. So, what's the antidote? What's the antidote for pride? Antidote from pride, in Proverbs, it says, get the glory that comes to the humble. Get the glory that comes to the humble. In Proverbs 15.33, it said here, the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom. Humility comes before honour. The Lord tears down the proud person's house, but He keeps the widow's boundary intact. God gives glory to the lowly. If you look at throughout the Bible, God always picked so-called the younger brother. Instead of Esau, He chose Isaac. Instead of uh, Judah, He chose uh, Joseph. The girl that nobody wanted, people like Ruth, which is not a part of, which is not a Jew, people like Rahab, who was a prostitute, also not part of the Jewish race. He chose the poor. He chose the powerless, like here mentioned, the widows, boundaries intact. God chose his people. This is God's so-called strategy to, be, to change the people. The wisdom of God, I, mean, I think that it, it does not work, but the wisdom of God is like foolishness to men. And if guess what? Jesus Christ came also like a humble beginning. Humble beginning. And if you look at this verse here again, the first part of the verse say what? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. How do we ponder upon the fear of the Lord? One way is that every week we come here, when we worship God, the fear of the Lord is not talking about uh, afraid kind of fear, but being awed, being, uh, being excited, being overwhelmed being, uh, by who God is. And that's what we are doing just now through worship. 
we are awed by who God is to the songs. And just now when we break the bread, the communion, again, we remind us about the fear of the Lord. And then now we're teaching about, about God. It reminds us about who God is. Let the fear of the Lord, if notice here, uh, teach you wisdom, not give you wisdom, teach you wisdom, how it means to be humble. Being humble is not saying that I am nothing, I am nobody. But being humble is to recognize our state before God. And God is good. If God wants to save the intellectually, uh, God wants to come to teach us a philosophy, then it's only the intellectually so-called strong can get it. If God here wants to only save people who are good, then those who are morally strong will can get it. But God say no, only those who are humble, those who admit that they are sinful before me. They are humble before me. So, how to get this glory? You get this glory, the first step is that you need to admit that you are so sinful that nothing less than the death of the Son of God could save you. Could save you. We need to acknowledge that we are equally sinful. At the first level, everybody is equally sinful before God. Equally undeserving, equally needing of God. That is the first part here, is to get the glory. Sorry, get the humble. Be humble to get the glory. The next one, get the glory that comes to the humble, yes. The next one is get out of the courtroom. I mentioned about this courtroom examples earlier. Listen to what Arthur Miller, um, a scriptwriter, a very popular writer in New York, and he wrote here, after the fall, this is what he said. He's an atheist. He said here, For years, I look at life as a case at law, a series of arguments. When young, you prove how brave or smart or good lover you are. Later, what a good father. And finally, how wise and powerful. But underlying it at all was an assumption that a person was moving on the path towards being justified or condemned, a verdict. Then I looked up and saw the bench was empty. No God, no judge in sight, and all that remained was an endless argument with myself, a litigation of existence before an empty bench. Okay. How he, what he's saying is that he viewed life is like a courtroom. We are all in a courtroom. We are in a series of arguments to prove ourselves how brave we are, how smart we are, how good we are. And then in this courtroom, it says it is performance that leads to a verdict, based on your performance that leads to a verdict. To him, Arthur Miller, because he is a, an atheist, he realized that the bench was empty. There is no God. There is no one there. Yet, he still viewed himself in that courtroom, arguing to something, arguing to someone to justify his existence, looking for a verdict to show that he is okay. I think he's right here. Many times, we are constantly comparing with ourselves, with other people. We want to take the place of God. Why? To decide on the verdict. And we have a problem with our ego. And therefore, the verdict is always not good enough. And we go through life always telling ourselves, we are not good enough. We are not good enough. And we constantly want to compare, constantly want to be proud. 
Listen to this great performer, okay? Madonna. He's a great singer, a bit old now. In the past, he's still good. Listen to what uh, was she said in an interview. Okay. My drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. And then I feel I'm still mediocre, uninteresting, unless I do something else. And even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle is never ended and I guess it never will. The ego, because it's a problem with it, it will never be enough. And the people who don't believe in God, they are still striving to prove to somebody which they know. For us as Christians, many of us also go through life thinking that we are not, still not good enough for God. Yes. And we view our lives here, there are certain benches in our life. These are people who judge, who try to prove to our parents that we are good boy, we are good girl, trying to prove our leaders our supervisor, we matter. Trying to prove to ourselves, yes, we are okay. Trying to prove to God that, okay, I'm deserving of your grace. I like uh, a movie in the past I mentioned before, Rocky movie. Okay? It's about boxing. Okay, And then I mentioned in the past before how Rocky, he decided to fight someone bigger. Why? He said to prove that I'm not a bump. Okay? Rocky have, I think, five movies and now, the second generation came out. Creed. Creed 1 and Creed 2. Those of you who do not know, uh, uh, it's okay. Because it's about boxing, a bit violence. Those of you who know, you understand. I went and watched Creed 2 with my son. Rocky, to him, is that he's going to prove to the world he's not a bum. Creed 2, the second generation, he was, there was another new guy came because there was a... a um, the son of Rocky's good friend, Apollo's Creed, and the son is Adonis Creed. For Adonis, there was a fight between Adonis with his opponent, Victor Drago from Russia. So it's America versus Russia. And one side here, Adonis, he was fighting for who? The first fight he was fighting to show that he's as good as his father. His father was on the bench. This guy, the Russian guy, Victor Drago, he's fighting for who? He's fighting for the love of his mother. His mother uh, left his father because his father lost the first fight. Both were fighting for something. One for the mother, one for the father. There was a certain bench. And every day, you and I, we go through the world. We get sucked back into the courtroom ourselves also. We find ourselves arguing, gathering ev uh, evidence, spinning and criticizing, looking down on other people. We get sucked back to the courtroom courtroom. And we are trying to convince ourselves, convince other people that we are people of consequences, we are the people matters, or people who count. We find ourselves get stuck regularly back into the courtroom. Why are we doing that? Because we have this particular view. What is the view? Performance leads to verdict. Performance leads to verdict. If you do good, then deep, in the cell, deep inside ourselves, we will feel that I'm good. If you don't do well, don't do good deep inside ourselves, we don't do good. We connect everything we, we do with our self-image. So, what is the antidote towards this pride? 
is to get out of the courtroom. Get out of the courtroom. For this, you have to look at the New Testament. You look at Paul. Listen to what Paul says. Again, it is the context of this verse here is Paul. The people of Corinthians rejected Paul's leadership, rejected Paul's authority, rejected Paul's message. And this is what Paul said. I care very little on how I am judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I'm not, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear. For that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. It is the Lord who judges me. Though here he's talking about various ways of building the church, but the foundationally, the principle and the truth still apply to Paul. What Paul is saying is something amazing. Arthur Miller was using the same metaphor as Paul was using, the courtroom. He realizes that every day, in any other circumstances, it's like a trial. You and I, we go to our work, we go at home, we go various places. It's like a trial. He says it's time to get out of the courtroom. First, he says, I don't care what you think about me or what any human court think about me. Some people will say, that's good. That's very healthy. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. It only matters what you think about yourself. Correct? This narrative, this truth, you see that in every Hollywood movie, you see that in any cartoon, you see that regularly in the YouTube. It's not about what other people think about you, it's what you think about yourself that matters. Let me tell you, it doesn't work. Why? Because most of the time, we don't meet our own standard. And you feel bad. Unless you have very low standard and you meet it, and then you tell yourself, I'm the kind of person with low standards. Either way, you can't win. You cannot compare yourself with other people. You cannot just, you cannot just think about yourself. That's what Paul said. I don't even care about what I think about myself. I've stopped connecting my performance with my self-image. I've gotten out of that courtroom. If I do well today, I don't connect it to myself. If I do poorly today, it is the Lord who judges me. And what is God's final verdict on our performance, on our lives? Paul had this to say. God's verdict on us. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God has justified. What's the word justify here? It's another courtroom term. means declared not guilty. Christianity turned it upside down the normal way our heart works. It says the verdict is in. The verdict is in. God has God already accepted me. God always loved me. The verdict is always. You don't have to prove yourself. Intellectually, many of us will agree with this. But it takes from here to the heart, it takes a long time including myself. That's why we still have the problem with pride. We still think that performance leads to verdict. But in Christ, it is different. In Christ, it is not performance that leads to verdict. It is the verdict that leads to the performance. And that changed my performance. Now I go out and help people, not because I need to feel good about myself, but because I just want to help people. I go out and do things not because I want to accrue a resume to prove. I don't get defensive when people criticize me because the verdict is already in. The gospel changed the way I look at myself. 
I look at other people, I don't need to compare. How is this possible? How is it possible that I can get out of the courtroom? We can get out of the courtroom because Jesus went into the courtroom. Tim Keller, in his message, he said this. If you look, go back, the night that he was betrayed, Jesus went into trial. There was another courtroom. There was a terrible jury. The jury was beating him. The courtroom, the verdict was already decided then. Jesus is guilty no matter what he said. Jesus didn't have a chance to do that. Why did he do that? He do that because to get the verdict that we deserve. What is the verdict? Guilty. So that we can get the verdict that he deserved. Fully obeying God. He did it all out of love for us. Jesus get the verdict. He took our verdict that we deserve sinful in order to give us the verdict that we deserve righteous and holy. And this is what we need to do each day. We need to say ourselves this. Let the fear of the Lord teach you. The fear of the Lord come from worship, come from your quiet, quiet time meditation, from the Word of God, from communion, to remind you about who God is, about what Christ has done, about this gospel, about this love of God, and then it really revived you. And if you notice, a person that is humble is not a person who would say that I'm nothing. A person that is humble is a person that is secure. Why is he secure? Because he knows the verdict is already in. He's been justified by God. I heard a pastor who keep a piece of paper in his wallet and he took it out regularly to look at it, to remind him about this issue of pride. And these are the questions that he asked. And I think these are very good questions. And I want to include this. I've already texted this into my phone. And I hope to look at it regularly. Regularly, I ask myself, are you anxious? Are you afraid of how you look? Are you getting down on yourself? Are you criticizing other people? Are you devastated by criticism? Are you looking down on anyone else? And at the end, at the end of the question, he put this, God is a journey. In other words, it means it has been mostly resolved by the time of hearing. In Jesus Christ, the court is adjourned because the verdict is already in. You and I, we can leave the courtroom because he went into the courtroom. It works. It works. This morning, before I come here to preach, I embrace this. Whether how good or how bad I preach this message, it doesn't matter. The verdict is already in. God has already accepted me. But because God accepted me, I was determined to do my best, to deliver my best. And I can get out of the courtroom. I don't need to be in this issue of pride. It works. And this is the wisdom of God. Let us pray. Can the musicians come forward? I'm going to ask a series of questions the same questions today, this morning. Are you anxious? Are you afraid of how you look? Are you, are you getting down on yourself? Are you criticizing other people? Are you devastated by criticism? Are you looking down on anyone else? Regularly need to make a case. 
accept this truth. Jesus got the verdict that we deserved so that we can get the verdict that He deserved. He do all these things for you. And this morning, if you do not know Jesus Christ personally, I invite you Received what Christ has done for you so that you don't have to compare anymore. Don't have to beat yourself or beat other people down. The verdict is already in. God say, you are not guilty. You are accepted and you are loved. Accept the love of Jesus. If this morning you are Christians, but regularly you still beat down yourself, there is this bench above you. I don't know who are these benches to some, could be your parents, could be yourself, could be your, your boss, could be words that are said about you. Change those bench. Change those verdict, verdict because Jesus has gotten the verdict. Embrace what Christ has done for you. some time to thank the Lord Jesus for what He has done. He went to the courtroom for you. He got the verdict that we deserve so that we can get the verdict that He deserved. Let us rise and sing this song again. To remind ourselves about what Christ have, who Christ is and what He has done.
confess that God many times we are so sinful before you we always want to feel better than others we put down others we want to take your place and we want to call attention to ourselves because God we are always in this mood to show that we are not good enough 
forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for our rebellions against you. The sin that take root in our lives. The people that we have divided. The people that we have hurt. Our family members, forgive us, Lord, Father. And we thank you. It is not the end there. You have given us a good verdict because of what Christ, Lord, you have done for us. You took on all the nonsense. You took on all the injustice for me. You took on the unjust verdict on you. So that God, we can get the verdict that you have your righteousness. And therefore, we don't have to go out and prove ourselves. I pray that God, for those of us today who are anxious, when you come, help us not to be anxious anymore, but to know that God, it is alright with you. Those of us who are very concerned about how we look, that we don't have, we look beautiful before you because you are beautiful. Those of us who always try to put down on people, I pray that God, they no longer have to put down because they are equally lovely about you. We don't have to lift ourselves up because you have already lifted us up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Remind us this day. Make this truth from the head go down into our heart each day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.